You are listening to a Nerd Room Podcast, a member of the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network. Be sure to check out more from the Star Wars Commonwealth on the web at StarWarsCommonwealth.com and take your first steps into a larger world. everyone and welcome to the nerd room where we talk all things comics and movies this episode number 59 we're discussing some of our favorite fan theories from the star wars and marvel universes i'm on your host tim i'm troy before we get kicking into some of the news here and discussing some of our favorite fan theories we just want to express our, our delight for the generation x-wing podcast they're celebrating their 100th episode as of wednesday so the day before you're listening to this they're dropping their 100th episode so make sure to go and check them out and we want to send our congratulations that's a hell of a feat to accomplish there is some great stuff over there doing listener questions and a few other important things they're doing some announcements and all that so make sure to go check those guys out as well as the rest of the commonwealth here yeah congratulations guys looking forward to wednesday to check out the episode yeah i cannot wait to get into that but until then, yeah. let's jump into some news. Cool. From the DC Universe. Oh boy. They're up to it again. Warner Brothers and DC. Affleck is stepping down as the director of Batman. This is another bombshell for this universe that continues to put out what seems to be a regular news feed of negative news. I, I just don't know how much more this universe can take. What are your thoughts on Affleck stepping down here? <laughs> Yeah, it's it's crazy. You know, I'm I'm kind of just getting used to this now. I mean, I feel like every week, every second week, we're hearing some kind of news, some kind of letdown, some kind of disappointment. Um, I'm not really buying the whole press release, though, that, that statement of, you know, basically trying to sugarcoat the matter. Yeah. Saying that, you know, he's putting effort into it, just he can't do directing and acting at the same time, which is bogus because, I mean, he's done Argo and yeah. he's done The Town, which are great movies, both directed and starred, led by Ben Affleck. So I don't understand what's going on over there. I feel like there's an issue between, like, DC and their directors because we've had three directors now, four directors drop out of Flash. Uh, we've had problems going on with, um, not problems, but we did have a problem with uh, Suicide Squad. Yeah. We found out now that David Ayer has regrets about what he's done in Suicide Squad. So it's just a big mess. And the thing is, this is Batman. This is their flagship. You know, uh, they really need to get their act together. And we've been saying this ever since BVS. I don't know what they're doing over there. Warner Brothers is a good studio. They produce good uh, content. But when it comes to this DC, it's like they're cursed right now. No, and it's and it's almost opposite to what Marvel's doing. They're letting their directors have a lot of freedom in the writing, in the directing, and steering these franchises in slightly different creative directions yeah. from each other to give some separation amongst those movies. But at the end of the day, they do come back and fill in this cinematic universe. You do have that connection across these films. But yeah, this is big news because I agree with you. I don't really buy it. It's it's all about creative differences with the other directors, yeah. with the other writers that they've lost on other movies like Flash. And yeah. I think this is a little bit more of that because he, he did say that he's, he's committed to the project. He's committed to the character and he wants to produce the best Batman. I believe that, yeah. but I don't think... That someone that is coming off a project like that and and separating themselves out and saying, look, you're going to do this. I can't do that. Yeah. I, I just don't buy that you can act and put 100% into something that you do not buy or aren't supporting in a story or in the direction of something. Like I think that's a really difficult thing to do, and I yeah. think he's going to struggle with that. And that might show on the screen. Absolutely. Um, a question for you. Do you think Live By Night, his passion project, you know, kind of bombed? I heard it's not really bad. It just wasn't well received in theaters. Do you think that has anything, any influence over the Batman movie and WB with Ben Affleck? I can't imagine it does. Like, mm. there's specific statements that said that it didn't have anything to do with the fact that that wasn't critically or financially well received. Yeah. But he's, he's proven himself, and everyone has yeah. missteps. And it just, it's a different type of film, yes. too, right? And he, he's got that commitment to Batman and that that background in Batman as right. well. And I just don't see this as being a mutual parting. This, right. There's something else that has happened because we've had seeds of this mm -hmm. through the last couple of months that something's going on with Batman. It's going to be delayed. The mm -hmm. shooting has been pushed back. So Jeff Johns is doing something different now yeah. too, it seems as well. And then so. just the rifts that you're seeing within the Flash movie, because they're on to their fourth writer, I believe now, third director. Yeah. It seems that this is continually popping up, and there's there seems to be issues with Aquaman and yeah. Cyborg. And yeah, like you said, you're expressing his regrets 
for not having the Joker as the main villain. Yeah. So, I mean, if you're a DC, I mean, I'm a DC fan, but I mean, I think this is the time you have to press the panic button. Like, you got to be in some concern now for this universe because we're, we're constantly getting some bad stuff. And like I said, this is Batman. This is their flagship. This is their Iron Man, Captain America of that universe. And they're having troubles getting this guy off the ground. Yeah, and like, yeah. I don't know if this is a precautionary measure because they're worried about how it's going to be received. Because mm-hmm. this movie can't fail. No. If this movie fails, goodbye, DC. Yeah, you're going to have to do a rebirth reboot. <laughs> Definitely. Right? Yeah. Within a couple years of having your initial movie coming out, like, you can't do that. People yeah. will not accept another poorly received Batman esque movie. No. Like, we're coming off the back end, we're almost 10 years out, I guess, yeah. of the Dark Knight trilogy, yeah. something that, that made comic book movies not only believable, but put them on that pedestal, that academy pedestal. That's right, taken seriously, right? Yeah. yeah, and now that we're getting this kind of muddled mess, like Wonder Woman, I hope it turns out good, yeah. and Justice League, we're going to see what comes off the back end of that because a lot of these going to point in the direction of the Batman movie. Yeah. So I, I'll wait and see, I guess, but yeah. it, I just need, we need something positive coming out of this. And it's difficult to get excited now. It is. About what they're producing until we actually see it. Like My anticipation level is bottomed out now for it's one of them for Justice League. Yeah. And this isn't unprecedented and we have seen a lot of movies that have lost directors at various stages within the production of a film sometimes mm-hmm. weeks before the actual movie starts shooting yes and a couple of them that come to mind that fit within this comic book movie realm matthew vaughn left x-men last stand six weeks before production started oh. and left that to brett ratner so it went from brian singer to matthew vaughn to Brett Ratner. Wow. And so Ratner used a lot of his storyboards and his casting for this movie to get it off the ground and get it into theaters. Now, it is one of the most financially successful X-Men movies, but it's probably one of the least well-received films as well. He redeemed himself, though, because he did give us first-class movies. He did. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, and then the Hobbit movies. So Gilmar Del Toro was supposed to do those. And last minute, not so much last minute, because I guess there's two years of bouncing around and there's financial issues and Mm -hmm. that. But he did leave those to Peter Jackson, someone that didn't really want to do the films in the first place. And we got the Hobbit films. Like, I still haven't seen the third Hobbit film. Yeah, and you know what? I'm actually, um, I'm a fan of Hobbit 1 and 2. Part three was horrible, but yeah. part one and two, I actually think were actually decent films, but you're doing the right thing by not uh, visiting part three. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Edgar Wright, he left yes. Ant-Man quite late in the stage as well for Peyton Reed, and that turned out okay. That I worked. think that that really worked, and Peyton Reed seems to be really ingrained in this universe now, and he did bring on Adam McKay to add a little bit of lightness to the script, so he's kind of melded this into his own thing. Mm-hmm. He's on board for doing Ant-Man and the Wasp, so there is evidence there that films can be produced with changing and swapping directors in a relatively late stage. There's still quite a bit of time for this movie to come out. We don't know exactly when it's going to drop, but at some point they have to land on a story and they have to land on a committed director to push this through production because I think they need someone that is willing to do the writing and directing. I think that combination has proved really well for Mm -hmm. a lot of movies, especially in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You look at what they're doing recently with Ryan Coogler, He's writing and directing Black Panther, Joss right. Whedon with the Avengers, James Gunn with the Guardians. So they're giving them that creative freedom. The DC executives need to let go of the reins and just say, do what you have to do. Be creative. Yeah. That's who you are. And just let it happen. I think Ben Affleck is still writing. I think out of the, out of the four things he signed on to do, he's, he's just dropped out of the directing. So I think he's still acting, writing. And, and, and producing. Yeah, so he's film. doing all that, yeah. but at some point your director's got to come in and put their own spin on exactly. it. Exactly. You don't yeah. need a guy to say action and yeah. kind of call the scenes and all that. Right. Like Ben Affleck is going to be doing a lot of that behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. And because he's written, produced, and starring in it, yeah. he's just not directing it. Like you don't want a yes man. You want someone to come in there and bring a creative yes. flavor to the movie that's going to bring something different to this universe because yeah. that's what it needs. It's funny, those examples you brought up. The studios, one was WB, one was Fox, one was Marvel. Marvel had the best outcome. So is it the studio also that makes a big difference here? Because Marvel doesn't really do much wrong these days. No, they don't. And some of it might come down to just the pure story. You look at the films, the first two. The story for X-Men Last Stand was a mess. The Hobbit was split from two movies to three movies. Again, something different. And Ant-Man was just left to its own vices. They had a story in place from Edgar Wright. They did some slight tweaking to give Mm -hmm. it a little bit of different flavor to fit into the cinematic universe a bit better. And that's why Edgar Wright left. Yeah. Because he's displeased with how they wanted him to change the movie to fit into a well-established universe. The original script was supposed to be pre-Iron Man. 
Yeah, so a standalone, basically. A standalone, yeah. yeah. So he didn't have to tie into anything bigger. Have maybe, like Iron Man did, a nod or two to yes. S.H.I.E.L.D. or to something bigger. But Ant-Man had to fit into a universe now. Yeah. I so, think they did a great job with that movie. So do I. Yeah. And speaking about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, if you guys are fans of it, make sure to go check out our MCU retrospective series. We just dropped an Iron Man episode. We go through in a lot of detail revisiting the movie with the hindsight of the MCU, what it's built. We talk a bit about the inception of the MCU, the inclusion of S.H.I.E.L.D., and that after credit scene. So make sure to go check that out. And we're going to be doing that every single month right up into Infinity War. So the next 16 months, you're going to get an MCU retrospective review of a film in somewhat chronological order <laughs> from us here in the nerd room. So oh, make sure to awesome. check that out. Yeah, be sure to dust off that Blu-ray or DVD disc and pop it in. Yeah. And sticking with the comic book world, let's do our comic book picks of the week. Nice. My favorite segment. Ah, absolutely <laughs> love, love it. it. Before we actually get into our individual picks, I yep. just want to tell a brief story here of my weekend in comic Yes, books. please do. My brother-in-law brought me over this massive box of comics when I was over visiting him. It came out of the basement of his fiance's parents' place. Anyways, he said, look, I don't want any of this. Take what you want. Get rid of the rest. So I'm like, okay, cool. Nice. Nothing's in great condition, but I did find myself sorting through it there on the weekend looking for maybe one or two gems. And I was able to find a book I've been looking for for a long time. It's issue number 42 of the original Marvel Star Wars comic book series. And it is the first appearance of Boba Fett in comic book form. I threw up an image on Twitter the other day. Go check that out. But this book, it's not in great condition, like I said, but the cover's got Boba Fett flanked by Bosk and Dengar. It is beautifully done. It's an adaptation of The Empire Strikes Back. It's three or four issues long. This completes my Empire Strikes Back set within that comic book run. Super excited to have this. Like, it's awesome. I absolutely love the fact that people see me as the comic book guy. Hey, do you want this box? There's nothing like looking through a comic book box, a random box that has someone hasn't flipped through in years. Like, this is probably hasn't been touched since 1990 or 1980 or whatever, right? Some history right there, man. It's a great, great cover art. And uh, that helmet, Boba Fett, looks fresh, looks mint. Yeah, it is. And this issue is to not be confused with issue number 68, which is the other big Boba Fett comic book in this series this goes up to 112 125 issues or something to that effect but number 68 is the origins of boba fett so this whole comic run was considered canon up until they started erasing it with the books and all that and they had those different levels of canon prior to disney buying them out they had like the g level canon and all these different kind right. of tiers that were you know some was movie canon some was loose canon some was this and that and the other yeah. thing so this actually did fall into the original expanded universe along with Splinter of the Mind's Eye. So this oh. is our first expansion. This These were dropping since 1977 as well. So this was, or 1978, I guess. So this was with the original release of A New Hope. They adapted that, and then they continued on in the comic books. I think by issue six or seven is our first expanded universe material in the Star Wars universe. So it's, it's got a lot of history to it. No kidding. And then the adaptation of Empire Strikes Back here. And then, like I said, number 68 is Boba Fett's origin story so it's really cool i actually have that issue too i it, found that at a comic book show is he a mandalorian in that like yes, he's, he, is. he is oh sick so not it's not a clone or anything like that no, no jango fett mandalorian wow that's so, that's yeah, it's very different than it is now yeah his origins but um, yes yeah, i wanted to share that because it, it's a lot of fun flipping through old long boxes and old random boxes of comics that have been probably damp and stepped yeah, yeah. on and thrown to the side and all that but it's nice to have a cool piece of star wars history sit in front of us here yeah, nothing beats that, man. Nothing at all. Yeah, nice. <laughs> all right, Troy, let's hear your comic book pick of comic the week. Comic book pick of the week. We're going with Old Man Logan, number 16, Ooh. back in the house of Marvel. This is awesome, man. Um, the writer is uh, Jeff Lemire. I hope I got that right. And the artist is Andrea Serenito. Serenito? Boy, I butchered that one. That's much better than I was. <laughs> Sorry, guys. But yeah, this, this book's awesome. This is cool because... Um, this is this takes place in the all new different world, but it connects back to the Mark Millar's Old Man Logan oh, that we were nice. originally introduced to. I know you're a fan for that little bit that we saw in uh, the Civil War Two yeah. line going on, but basically um, this story kind of takes place in two different parts. Where one, he's back in the wastelands, where it's like this Mad Max kind of vibe going on, and the story also flashes back to what we assume leads him coming back to this world where he goes to space with um, 
the Alpha team. Was it the Alpha, alpha Flight? Alpha Flight. Alpha Flight's in there. You see uh, like a zombie Sasquatch. So you get a little bit of this like Ridley Scott alien meets Mad Max when you get to the Wasteland. So cool. great book, great, great art. And um, I'm, I've been a big fan of this series since the original Mark Millar run. It's a really cool book. And it feels good because apart from the Thor, uh, Unworthy Thor, I don't feel like anything else but this book has been um, connecting itself to um, Secret Wars and the original stuff before that. So go on there, check it out. Uh, yeah, Old Man Logan number 16. Right on. Yeah, man. Tim, man, what's your comic book of the week? Well, I'm sticking with Marvel as usual. Yeah. Um, but I'm going back and revisiting Civil War here. So we had the epilogue to Civil War called Civil War the Oath drop this past week. And it's a, it's an extra-sized issue, yeah. and it's really, really good. Cool. It serves as an epilogue to Civil War Two, as well as a prelude to Secret Empire. Whoa. Okay. So it's written by Nick Spencer, who does write the Captain America books, both Sam Wilson and Steve Rogers. Right. So it's a Captain America-centric book, and it really picks up on the threads left from the Steve Rogers book as well. Yeah. And I'm really liking what they're doing there. I'm liking it, yeah. And there is one page. I- I'm going to spoil it here for you because I have to explain it. Cool. There's, there's two times where I threw my head back in just awe. So you remember the scene from the death of Captain America, the, the fallen son? Oh, arc? yeah. Yeah. And we have Steve Rogers sitting on the table or laying on the table with his shield. And Iron Man is sitting yes. down beside Classic. him with his helmet. Oh, yeah. Reverse that. No. Oh, yeah. That makes... Jeez, that's huge. Yeah, so you got Tony Stark. Yeah. I got goosebumps thinking about oh, it right now. Oh, man. So you got Tony Stark sitting in that, that pill capsule thing he's in. Yeah. And Steve Rogers with his bucket off oh. sitting there in a chair telling him the story and starting to fill him mm-hmm. in. An unconscious Tony Stark, mind you. Yeah. But starting to fill him in on this ultimate plan he has and the fact that he is not the Steve Rogers that he thinks he is. So he's saying this to a Tony Stark that's dead slash unconscious. Okay, that's huge. Uh, By any chance, you know the art? Who does this one? I can't remember the artist, but it's really good art. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. And other times, it's... I found myself looking at it and being like, okay, this is really engaging me. And then sometimes from different angles, the characters look a bit almost polygonal. They got boxy, squarey jaws. Oh, okay. And so I don't know if it's different artists as we go through, if it's the same artist, but some of it's really good and some of it's, I'm like, ooh, that's not the greatest art in the world. Yeah, okay. But I did like how they're doing it. And they used a lot of really dark colors, dark tones. And that's, it's it's a nice overarching color palette to have within the comic book that's dealing with the issues here. Because Nick Spencer, if he does anything well... It is right Captain America books that seem relevant to the time. He has some really good stuff in the Sam Wilson books. Mm -hmm. But here he also seems to be having, whether it's on purpose or not, but he does seem to be commentating a bit on what's going on in the United States right now. Wow. Yet lots of imagery that... It parallels that parallels and connects yeah. you to what's going on in the real world and you do see like i said a lot of that in the steve rogers book and the sam wilson book and this does that exceptionally well wow and again spoilers for this book because i'm going to spoil the hell out of it there's another <laughs> scene in here that i really did enjoy and it's when captain america steve rogers becomes the director of shield oh so he's back at being the He's become the director again. Yeah, for a second go around. Wow. There's a scene where he is at the Capitol building, the Capitol Hill or whatever it's called. Yeah. The same the same place where he did have Miles Morales. Miles, Miles, yeah. Yeah. And he's got his hand on the Bible and he's doing the... I thought he was going to become president of the United States oh at, my God. at first. Like the ultimate universe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's exactly the imagery I got right. from this. And he goes through as a director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And you start to see the seeds being planted for this secret empire. He's now in control of S.H.I.E.L.D. And S.H.I.E.L.D.'s been given a lot more powers for surveillance, control of funds, and overall policing most of the world, or at least the United States. So you're seeing this power grow in Steve Rogers. Like, there's commentary that's too much power for one man. Right. It's it's really cool how they set this all up. And then he does reference the events of Civil War II with Ulysses. And the fact that when they showed that Miles Morales, Captain America scene of him being killed by Miles Morales, mm-hmm. Steve Rogers was able to step back and see something else. And they show this like dystopian Hydra controlled the United States of America. And this is really what I think Secret Empire is going to be about is Steve Rogers eventually takes control of the US and we get this Hydra future. It's Whoa. really, really he's playing well both ends. He's playing Red Skull and he's also playing, you know, his colleagues and everybody, yeah. his, his team. Wow, that's yeah. powerful. And what's this issue? It's just called Civil War, colon, the Oath. Okay. And the Oath is him being sworn into the office of, standalone. of Director of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah, okay. it's just the epilogue to the whole thing. Right, okay. And so, but it ties so well into everything. And like I said, it serves as the end of Civil War II and the start of this secret empire. Really and it ties it. so well into the Steve Rogers books. That's awesome. When uh, when can we pick up the um, Secret Empire event? When does that I come out? I think that's uh, for a while? spring, maybe? Okay. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah, because we still have to get over the monsters. Unleashed. Yeah, the monsters unleashed. And all right. That. Okay. But yeah, go pick that book out. Nice. It's an awesome book. Really, really liked it. It made me appreciate the Steve Rogers series more. And there's even hints in there of this larger Chitauri invasion wow. that is going on. I think in the Ultimates book. Because Captain Marvel does have a big presence in this book as well. And they're talking about setting up this shield around the planet. And because there's this impending invasion coming. So it's, that's got me excited about the Ultimates book. So this book serves as a jumping off point for a lot of different things. Cool. And it nicely ties up Civil War too. So it made me appreciate these Marvel books a lot more. Nice. Yeah, no, I, I've enjoyed what I've got so far out of uh, Steve Rogers there. And uh, that's a win, I guess, for Marvel this week. Because Marvel got uh, got us both. Yeah. Pick of the week. So they're, 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 they're taking the right path right now. So keep it up. I feel like it only comes down to your pick because <laughs> I kind of default. Yeah, to I Marvel. guess you're always more. Yeah. <laughs> so you, you're the swing vote there. So there you go, Marvel. There you go. Marvel Entertainment this week also threw a very cryptic tweet. I think it was last Wednesday or Tuesday. Yeah. And I got all hyped up because it was basically teasing something was going to be announced the next day at like 8 a.m. our yes. time. And I was super stoked. I'm like, they're going to drop the Thor 3 trailer. I was stoked, man. I thought it was going to be fantastic. I was hoping it was going to be Fantastic Four, Phase Four. Ah, let didn't, down. Didn't turn out that way. No, not at all. It came kind Quite of crashing different. down on us here. It was the announcement of a new game, a new video game. Yes. And there was a cool trailer that went with it. I appreciated that. And, it, and it's going to be called The Avengers Project. Mm-hmm. And it was tagged with this reassemble line. And I have no idea what it's going to be. Apparently, it's going to not be a fighting game. It's not a Lego game. And it's not a movie tie-in game. Yes. So this is something different for Marvel from the last couple of years, at least since Disney took over, right? Yeah, it is. They've kind of uh, stopped making games, at least on consoles. Um, we, we, I mean, obviously, a little while ago, we did get an announcement of Marvel vs. Capcom 4, which is cool, which is presented by Capcom or developed by Capcom. Uh, we used to have some pretty cool games back in the day that were called the Marvel Ultimate Alliance and the X-Men Legends series, which were role-playing games, which were really cool. I think they were made by Activision back in the day. But we've been kind of... Marvel fans have been asking for a video game on the consoles. So this is cool that we're going to get that. Because yeah, this is PS4 and Xbox One, right? Yeah, exactly. I, and a little while back at E3, we did get um, a Spider-Man game, which is cool. But that's presented by Sony. Yeah. That game. So this, I kind of speculate, maybe it's going to be kind of like... um play like a, like an rpg like a final fantasy 15 which okay. would be really cool because like a uh, story mode and all a that? story mode like a big story that you can go into with lots of like leveling up and a lot of grinding and all that kind of stuff not grinding in the clubs but grinding like you got to level up and and play a lot of the video <laughs> game so um yeah i'm looking forward to it it'll be interesting to see this reassemble like maybe they're already established and you know these heroes are kind of like uh out of a job and now they have to get back together and reunite and take on the next big threat i don't know yeah it seems that way i think it's gonna be more of an original story yes and this whole reassemble thing, like it's got me intrigued. Like I'm not a gamer or anything right. like that, and I'll be interested when you buy it. To go yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, man. I I need I need a Captain America game that I can get into. You know, there, there's nothing really out there. I'm playing Marvel Heroes Online actually right now. That's kind of cool. But yeah, I, I can't wait to get into this game. I'm looking forward to seeing a little bit of gameplay. Yes, that's one thing we didn't get. It was all kind of these this small like featurette showing the different heroes. So it looks like it's going to include Thor and Cap yeah. and Hulk and Iron Man. Yeah, the classic uh, Avenger characters there. So that should be cool. D- did you by any chance see the studio behind it? Did it show? Uh, or, or Square Enix, right? Yeah, Square yeah, Enix. Square yeah, because yeah. Yeah, they're they're normally known for like Final Fantasy and games like that. So they're really big RPG kind of games uh, or studio, I should say. So okay, hopefully well, we'll see. Looking forward to yeah. it. Yeah. You mentioned Spider-Man there. Yeah. There's a VP for Marvel that was describing a lot of what they're doing with the cartoon universe. Yes. And there was specific mention for Spider-Man adapting Spider-Island and yeah. potentially superior Spider-Man. Right. From a Spider-Man fanboy over there, i got to hear your <laughs> thoughts on this. Are you excited about this? Uh, it depends. I, I was trying to read the article, and I couldn't see if this is like the new Ultimate Spider-Man cartoon that they have that's going, or if it's going to be a new cartoon series. Because I do know, at least I do remember hearing, they're canceling the Ultimate Spider-Man yeah. cartoon and making a new one. So I don't know if the Ultimate Spider-Man's finishing with this story arc. Oh, okay, I'm not sure. It didn't really yeah. specify, right? This is kind of tricky. If they're doing... I don't really care for Spider-Island, to yeah. be honest. It wasn't my favorite run. But if they're doing Superior Spider-Man, which I really like, I think you kind of have to really establish a universe or a cartoon where Spider-Man and Doc Ock were really going at it. Like yeah. You kind of have you to make Doc can't just jump Ock, into it? You can't just jump into it. You'd have to make that guy like the prime villain and then kind of lead the way where Spider-Man dies and then Doc Ock takes over and now you have this new character to root for but even then I mean Superior Spider-Man is kind of heavy to put on as an animated cartoon yeah it is it almost fit better as a one-shot movie or something like exactly. that exactly yeah and you can kind of go into a bit more detail you know have part of the movie at least the first 10-15 minutes establishing 
Hey, Peter Parker. Most people know the story. You don't have to go yeah. to the origin of that. But establishing some sort of repertoire between him and Doc Ock and then have the death and all that. I think that would work that on a movie sense. level or a short TV movie or something. Yeah. That something that's like an hour, hour and 15 minutes long. Yeah. You kind of pound through that, that comic book series. Especially for the fact that, I mean, Superior Spider-Man, he's lethal. Like, he kills his uh, his villains, right? Yeah, so it so, is a bit darker, right? Eh? A lot darker. Yeah. So, I don't know. Unless we went the Spider-Verse route where you have a bunch of Spider-Man and Superior is there. But... I don't know. Uh, tell me about your uh, your Guardians, though, because we also got Guardians news coming up here. Yeah, the same VP expressed some interest in adapting the Annihilation storyline for the Guardians of the Galaxy cartoon show. Yes. I've never really watched it. I watched the first couple episodes, and I really couldn't get into it. Yeah. And it often plays before and after Rebels plays, so I yes. usually do see the back end of some of the episodes. And if they're going to adapt the Annihilation way, this is something that I want to see on film. This is one of my favorite comic book runs. It was done in 2006 through seven, I believe. It was done at the same time as Civil War. Oh, okay. In around that same time. It was done by Abnett and Landing, who reconstructed the Marvel Cosmic Universe and brought us the Guardians of the Galaxy that we have today. Nice. It brought us Thanos. It brought so much to that universe. It had nice follow-on books called Annihilation Conquest and War of Kings and that whole Guardians 2008 run. The Nova run was done oh. in that same realm. It was so good. That was like my favorite run to collect. I went back and recollected all of that after wow. I started reading comic books prior to Guardians being announced. Now that they're adapting all this, if they do this, I'm going to get into this cartoon because it's one of my favorite events, if not my favorite event of all time, at least cosmically. Right. That's huge because I, I I don't know. You say you don't really watch this show, but do you know if it connects to the the Avengers Assemble line? Because I'm pretty sure they're all kind of in the same universe. These yeah, cartoons. Don't know if it. That would be cool. I didn't. I don't know if it crossed over or not. But yeah. it seems to have a very similar art direction. It seems like the exact same. Yeah, yeah, and they take a lot of cues from the movie. The characters are the exact same. The costume designs yeah. and all that. And it, originally, it was I was like, oh my god, are they like bringing the MCU into the the cartoon world? Yeah. But it just seems like they're just paralleling a lot of that right. because of the success of the movie. And yeah, like I said, like if they're going to do this, I'm willing to jump into this and maybe watch a bit of the first season and get into the Annihilation adaptation. Nice. I don't know if this was the VP spitballing a lot and just saying, hey, I'd like to do this. Like yeah. But it's cool that they're throwing these ideas out because that Annihilation story is screaming to be adapted in one form or another. And there was even reference in that oath book about the Annihilation wave and the size wow. of it compared to what's coming on the horizon there. And so I love hearing about that. I love hearing that they're throwing around these ideas because we're probably never going to get that in movie form. It's such a huge story. It's that big, eh? Wow. Oh, man. If, if Guardians adapt it in Volume 3 or yeah. do something to that effect, I will just lose my mind. Nice. <laughs> All right, let's slide over to the Star Wars universe. The Han Solo movie. It began filming this past week. I was quite surprised yeah. to see the director actually fire out a tweet or an Instagram post or whatever it was stating that, in fact, Han Solo movie has started rolling. And this gets me immensely excited for the potential to get some sort of trailer at Celebration. Now, we're not going to be there. There's a few yeah. guys from the Star Wars Commonwealth going down there. And I'm super jealous of That's that. That's awesome. Super jealous. And we're looking for them to report back to yeah. us and all that. But I'm hoping that they do release a little something along those lines of even just Lando and Han doing a back-to-back post, something yeah, from the set. That would be so cool. It'd be, it'd be just crazy. I'm yeah. super excited for this. Like The last couple of weeks of discussing the casting of Woody Harrelson, and we're getting a bit of an idea who's going to be in the story, what it's going to be about, the smuggling, the pirates, yes. and just speculating on it a bit more. It's got me even more amped up. And the fact that they're actually shooting scenes now just gets my anticipation that much higher. The director released a really cool image with his tweet with a tagline, Han first shot. And what a play on words. And that tweet alone gave me so much confidence about how involved the directors are with this universe and how they're embracing it and how they absolutely love it. Like, they are Star Wars fans. And the fact that they do something like that, a nice play on yes. Han shot first, just great. And it's it's got this interesting tag, so the working title for it is Red Cup. And at first I was like, that's a bit curious. And the director posted him holding a solo red cup and it's 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 great it's it's showing us what the tone of this film is going to be like this slightly comedic tone and it, it gives me this this confidence that it's going to be a nice light-hearted film that deals with han solo in the proper way yeah no the, i can't wait you know i gotta be honest with this movie dropped or at least the the, the information dropped that we're gonna han movie i wasn't that bothered but when i heard that this team is behind it uh was it lauren miller these guys did um, 21 Jump Street, 22 Jump Street, the Lego movie. Yeah. These guys get humor. 
and uh, they don't beat you over the head with it. These guys are great, and I think Han Solo suits these guys perfectly. And, you know, from the cast, I've, I've liked everything we've gotten so far. I'm still not the biggest fan of uh, Khaleesi's but, um, f- from Game of Thrones there. But uh, we'll see what they do. I can't wait. They're filming, so I'm excited, man. Yeah, I just need a set. F- I just need to see what Donald Glover looks like as, as Lando Calrissian. Yeah, I, I, need to, I need to see Han. I need to see what he's going to I need to see him in the vest and the gear. I, I need to, because he's the only one I'm not really believing as Han still yet, right? Slowly I am, but I, I just got to see him in the gear. Man, when that image drops finally, yeah. I think the internet's going to absolutely explode. explode. Oh, for sure. I, I just have this feeling that he's going to look really good as yeah. Han Solo. Like I, I just feel like they've put so much time and effort. They saw, what, thousands of people before they That's cast right. this guy. I just, I just have so much confidence in this project right now. Mm-hmm. And I know I expressed some doubt before about Woody Harrelson being cast. Yeah. I'm kind of over that now. Nice. I, I'm really focused in on the Han, the Lando, the presence of Chewie, and the potential for what they're going to do in and around this universe and building into the wider Star Wars universe as well. I can't wait. Do, do we have an idea of the time difference of how much younger he's going to be? Could this be episode three? Because we do see the... Uh... The Millennium Falcon, Falcon there, yeah. Coruscant, whatever. I don't think so. A little well, bit so after. Han is, what, 24 or something? I, I certainly think he's about 30. Really? I certainly think he's about 30, 28 in um, A New Hope. Okay. Because I, I think he's maybe like nine years older than Leia. Because Leia's 19, 20. Interesting. Because I, yeah. I guess that could push us 10 years back. And he's still that 19, 20-ish. Yeah. actor. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. So you can go back quite far. So you're sitting somewhere halfway in between... Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope. Yeah. And you can do a lot with that universe there because it hasn't been explored very much. That's right. Yeah. And, and it's building in from Revenge of the Sith elements from that into Rogue One, into A New Hope. Yeah. Like, you're not going to have, we've, we've discussed this almost at yeah. nauseum sometimes, about how we're not going to have the Empire as the main antagonist here. It's going to be different. He's going to be a pirate smuggling and all that. Still think Woody Harrison's going to be the main villain. Yeah. That's just my opinion. That's cool if he has like a turnaround. Yeah, that's just my fan Mentor theory. gone villain. Cool. <laughs> But yeah, immensely excited for this. I can't wait to get the first set image, the first trailer and all that. Super excited for that. Do you think this is going to have a secondary title or subtitle? You think it's going to be Han Solo colon Smuggler's Run? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, hands down you. Um, I don't know what the title would be. but Yeah, part of me feels like it's just going to be Han Solo, like Mm -hmm. a Star Wars story. Oh, okay. But... I really don't know. I, it's... Oh, that's right, because they do hold on to the, the Star Wars story, right? They need for their to have Star Wars stuck in that's, there, I guess. That's the, that's the standalone thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, I forgot about that. It might be a mouthful, then, if you have Han Solo, yada, yada, yada. Han, a Star Wars story? Yeah. yeah it's, not, it's still not that bad, because yeah. that okay. tag is going to be at the bottom of Star Wars story. I that's guess it's right. part of the main title. Yeah. It doesn't have to be. Yeah. So it's always, I think, going to be there. I don't know. Yeah. So We'll see. We will. And sticking with our Star Wars universe here, we got an announcement of two more canonical novels for the Star Wars universe. And one is Bayes and Chirith. Nice. Guardians of the Wills. Yes. They dropped a cover image, which has a really beautiful comic book look to it, which makes me think comic book adaptation coming down the pipe at some point. Oh, yeah. But this is a, a young reader's novel, and it's going it's to be describing some of the prelude to Rogue One. It's going to go through the initial arrival of the Empire on Jeddah and what that means for Baze and Chirrut, as well as the arrival of Saw on Jeddah. So it's going to be going into a lot of depth, the dynamic, I think, between Baze and Chirrut and what they were guarding before, the, the kyber crystals in the temple, and a lot of that relationship that was assumed in Rogue One, we're going to see developed in this book. It's done by Greg Ruck, who did the Before the Awakening with the Poe, ray and finn stories that i really really liked and it's it's one of these young reader adaptations so it's gonna be a quick read yeah and i'm really excited for this i think this is gonna be awesome to get a little bit more insight into bays and Chirrut. yeah i can't wait um and and we've mentioned this before don't let the young readers fool you guys because no. we've had ahsoka and we've had lost stars and they've all been great books and even the one you just mentioned that you've read yeah before uh, the awakening yeah before the, yeah exactly so i'm definitely gonna check this one out um Chirrut's my guy man i really like this character even more so now reading or nearly finishing um the novelization of rogue one i really like this character and i'm, I'm just I, I want more of this guy if we're gonna get a comic book too that'd be great but uh this is cool i hope it explains what uh what caused baz to lose faith in the whole uh guardians of the will i think it's gonna answer a lot of the questions so. we had for these characters mm-hmm. it's, and you know it's probably going to be a couple hundred pages long but you can yeah. do a lot in there with those two characters and it's really interesting that they're going to get into saw arriving on Jeddah as well to try to take out the empire so some of his motivation is going to be seen there and their interaction as well 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I feel like Saw is going to be this character to get his whole story. You're going to have to cover a lot of grounds. Like, you're not just going to get a book of this character. You're going to have to go back to Clone Wars. You're going to have to read Catalyst. And you're going to have to see Rogue One. And you're going to have to pick up this book to really get his whole... And watch Rebels to yeah. get this guy's whole story, right? Well, the second book that they announced <laughs> called Rebel Rising is a, it's another one of these young yep. reader adaptations. It's going through Jin's story after Saw picks her up. So it's going to show her evolving into this battle-hardened warrior wow. and bringing up in the environment of the extremist that is Saw Gerrera and kind of evolving that character here as well. So Saw is a big part in a lot of these books and mm. we're getting that time gap filled between her, her being five and her being whatever she is, 21 in 21. one. Yeah. And wow. so we're getting in that time field. We're going to get that probably that riff between the two when she is separated from Saw and seeing some of the evolution of Saw into his more extremist ways. And again, it's showing that the Star Wars universe, the story group, is working on all these different pieces here. And like, I think this is going to be another great book and filling in some of those gaps, those questions that we have coming out of the movie. I can't wait for that one. Is this a uh, junior read too? Or is this... Yeah. It is. Okay, so we're getting two of those. Okay, interesting. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely going to pick these ones up. I'm, I'm always, we, both of us, I mean, we, we talk about stories all the time, but we're really in it for the lore, right? So I can't wait to dive in and uh, and just go at it with these books. Yeah, I agree, man. Like, this is going to be another great year in Star Wars novels. So yeah. April 11th, we get Thrawn, and May 2nd, we get these two books dropping the same day. They are available for pre-order right now. Yes. And I'm hoping they come out in Audible. I don't know if the, the Before the Awakening, if these young reader adaptations actually come out in the Audible form. Right, But if short. not, they're, yeah, they're pretty sure. They're pretty yeah. good reads. The Ahsoka book, Lost Stars, were the same sort of book. So yeah. I'm hoping that we do get the a similar Audible take on these as well. Because that's how I really enjoy consuming my Star Wars novels is through Audible. Yeah, saves a lot of time. And lastly, with Star Wars here and sticking with the book adaptations, the Darth Maul comic book drops this week. So as you're listening to this episode, it dropped yesterday i might say <laughs> and this is a comic book that i've been really looking forward to over the last couple of weeks and i'm looking forward to getting a little bit more of his pre-phantom menace his his relationship with palpatine and that's what a lot of this book is going to go into it's how poorly palpatine darth sidious treated maul and this relationship that developed between the two so it's gonna be a lot of fun exploring maul in a little bit more depth and in an era that we don't have much canonical material from as well so this is pre-phantom menace yes yeah, no, I'm looking forward to this one. Um, Maul, the funny thing is, isn't even the biggest pitch for me in this book or these the, this comic that we're getting. What the pitch for me is, is, is like what you mentioned, we're getting pre-Phantom um, Menace. We're going to get some stuff before all all of all of the prequels there, which will be cool. I can't wait to see uh, Palpatine show up. But my biggest thing is what I got is, I think they announced issue four of the Darth Maul. We're going to get Cat Bane show up, which really? is... Huge, yeah. This is this this is this is what did it for me. Cat Bane and another character from uh, the Clone Wars is showing up too. I forgot her name. So is it is it the Jedi Padawan? Because there is a Padawan in here in the synopsis that mm. he does encounter, and this is his first experience fighting a Jedi. Oh no, it's not because this is the bounty hunter as well. Okay, like, yeah, she's even in. I think. Um, uh, Phantom Menace, I think. I just can't remember her name. If you're out there listening, uh, type it in the comments because I messed that one up. But um, Cat Bane, yeah, Cat Bane's coming and uh, I, I've been rooting for this guy for a long time. I, I want to see him on the big screen. I want to see him in the comic books. I think this is the best bounty hunter we've had. I think he, he, he surpasses Boba Fett. This guy's great and uh, I can't wait to see it. Maybe they're testing the waters. Maybe we will get this guy in the movies if people receive him well in the comics because he's a big hit coming out of... Um, the Clone Wars, and even Sabine uh, was spray painting this character in Rebels season one. So really? this 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 guy I'm has something. With the character. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a great bounty hunter. Um, I don't know his species exactly, but uh, he's yeah. big in the Clone Wars, right? From Clone Wars, that's yeah. where he's introduced. Yeah. So this is going to be cool that we get to see him now. And I believe they said issue four of Darth Maul, we're going to see Cat Bane. So this will be cool to see Darth Maul, Cat Bane, and this other character that I forgot her name. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm totally interested. Is this a, a five-parter series? Five-parter series, yeah. Five-parter series. So I think this also solidifies that Maul is not making it out of Rebels. I think this is nope. like his farewell book. Yeah. <laughs> he's done. See you later, Maul. Yeah. He's done. I agree. He's, yeah. uh, he's done as the end of the season Rebels. Yeah. Definitely. And that, that kind of nicely segues into this next little topic that we're going to discuss here. We're going to kind of throw out here some of these fan theories, some of the ones that we like and some of the ones that we think are maybe a little bit more on the less believable end. Yes. And I thought it would be fun because we talked a lot last week about The Last Jedi and speculated on what that's going to be and what that title actually means. Mm -hmm. And the internet spent a lot of time last week 
doing the same thing. And I had some time to go through and think about some of these fan theories. And one thing that we've never really discussed, that people have discussed almost ad nauseum, is Supreme Leader Snook. Yes. We've never done that on the podcast here in any sort of detail. No, we haven't done that yet. And I thought it'd be kind of cool for us to throw out which theories we like. And and all these theories that we discussed, we're not taking credit for any of them here. The people who came up with them, it's it's hard to kind of trace back their stuff from Reddit, their stuff from... That Tumblr, are everything. Yeah, yeah. Everything. So again, these aren't our own theories unless we specifically state that they are and we throw them out there. But they are. Whoever created them, you know, good on you. We're just kind of reiterating them, maybe tweaking them for ourselves and saying what we think is the most believable. So we're not taking credit for any of these theories on the <laughs> podcast. Just want to make sure everyone knew that. <laughs> But do you have an idea or do you have a theory who Snoke is or a favorite fan theory about Supreme Leader Snoke? Um, There's two fan theories out there that I really like. Uh, One could be that he could possibly be Ezra. He could possibly be Ezra, which is kind of cool. But I think the better one is, and you're more familiar with this, with the books here, and maybe this is even on your list, but um, Gallius Rex? Yeah. This character seems cool to me. And this character backs up another theory that I believe in, but I'll talk about that one later on. I think Gallius Rex could possibly be Snoke. He's kind of been there for a while. Uh, Palpatine took him in, I believe, and sent him on Jakku to look over some things. And uh, this character seems to be carrying a lot of weight. He was introduced as a boy, an orphan. So what happened with Gallus Rex? And this is on my list. And this right now is the one I'm kind of running with a bit in my own head. Yeah. Is um, so Gallus Rex turns out to be the one that's overseeing the the remnants of the Empire. So what falls out of Return of the Jedi. And he's introduced towards the end of the first aftermath book. They didn't say his name. He was he was one under the codename the Operator at first. Oh. And I thought it was Thrawn. Oh. When the, when the book oh, dropped, oh, I was like, oh cool. my god, it's Thrawn. Is. Yeah. And then in the Aftermath Life Debt book, it does go into a lot more description of who this character is, actually introduces his name and his relationship to Palpatine. Palpatine identified him as a stowaway on a ship. And so that gives you a little bit of indication, you know, is this guy Force-sensitive? How did Palpatine sense that he was there? And there's a lot of building of that relationship between Palpatine and Admiral Ray Sloan goes into a lot of detail about trying to figure out who this guy actually is, and there's a riff there. It's it's a really cool story, and yeah. you know, in a book that I had a hard time getting into, I did like this aspect of it. And Rax actually, I think, was born on Jakku, right? So he does have that connection to Jakku, yes. and and then the connection to the Emperor. And the only thing that's difficult with the theory is that Snook appears to be somewhat of an alien. I th- mm. this guy's more humanoid, yes. and the the height and the, the the length. And Snook specifically said in Force Awakens that he witnessed the rise and the eventual fall of the Galactic Empire. Yes. So that makes sense that as a kid he saw the rise of the Emperor, he saw the rise of the Empire to its pinnacle. And then he saw the eventual fall of it yes. and cleaned up the pieces. So this is, yeah, it's it's interesting mm-hmm. one. I, I kind of like it. Yeah. I don't think it's perfect. Right. But it, some holes. there is some holes in that. And some of that might get filled in in the next book that's dropping here in a few weeks, I believe, in March, February or March. Okay. And the only thing that, that is leaves me a bit curious on this one is whether or not Star Wars or Lucasfilm or the Story Group is willing to reveal Snook's identity prior to episode eight yeah and especially in a novel too yeah the general lot... audience doesn't read the books no and yeah. so that is the only connection piece that i'm thinking like from a storytelling perspective including in your general audience introducing a character and having a massive backstory from yeah you could do it in flashbacks in episode eight mm-hmm. i just don't think they're going to be willing to reveal that like it would be so awesome if they planted all these seeds for the Star Wars fans, and that eventually what it turned out to be. Like, I would absolutely love that. Oh, oh, yeah. Man, would that be good. <laughs> Jeez. So, yeah, that, that one sits on my, my theory list as well. What about Plagueis? Plagueis, you know, before <laughs> before I saw Force Awakens, hands down, I thought it was Plagueis. Yeah. I thought for sure it's Plagueis. And then even after watching Force Awakens, I was still like, he could be Plagueis. Um, it's, the, it's the look of Plagueis. It's the look, right? It's the look. Either than that, there's not much else there for it. Um, I, I think I'm over, over that theory. I don't think he is. Plagueis. Yeah, it seems that I think from the visual dictionary as well, it it states that, you know, he's old, he has vast knowledge of the past and the force, but never specifically states that he was a Darth or a Sith. Exactly. And so that kind of veers me away from the Plagueis theory. Like, yes. I like the look of it and I like it to be calling back because I do like that character from the novelization. The action figure is also really cool. Yeah. They came out with the Black Series a couple years ago. <laughs> but I agree, as these theories develop... This one doesn't seem as likely. Yeah, it'd be nice for the fans, you know, to go back to episode three and be like, hey, he's mentioned even in episode three, but don't think they're going to deliver on that. No, and that's something that they can 
pick up, I think, down the road if they want to tell a story. And it really serves maybe as a book or a comic book type thing, like explaining and expanding on the plague story. Like yeah. that book, that was done by James Lucino. Yes, as well. give him another shot to do it again. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why they just didn't make that make canonical. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't know I why. I don't get that. Yeah. That was a pretty good book. That was one of the first books that I read that I kind of thought was in canon, mm-hmm. but it was, that was really on the cusp. It was one of the last books to come out pre-reset of the yeah. canon as well. Yeah, because then he just did Tarkin, I think, just after, and that just made it in. Yeah, exactly. To the canon line there. Um, just kind of going off of Snoke, uh, we did mention this last week because the big news last week was the title, The Last Jedi. Could Snoke be The Last Jedi? And there's a funny theory going out there. And if you take this all into consideration, you can maybe play around with it. Okay, so Snoke, The Last Jedi, he's ancient. We know he's old. All those facts you even brought up. He's been around for a long, long time. J.J. Abrams himself has never stated that he's actually a Sith. So what if he was the original Jedi? So the Jedi that we all know weren't actually the Jedi from old. So since they wiped out the Old Republic, because that's no longer canon, what if Snoke was actually amongst those last of those Jedi? Right? So, I mean, we see Kylo Ren with the ancient lightsaber, which is something that could have been used during Snoke's era when he ruled as a Jedi. So we don't know. We don't really even know his motivation or his motives of, of what he, no. you know. So there's an interesting theory. I just saw that yesterday. So it's not mine. I don't take credit for that one. But um, I looked at it and I thought, yeah, that's that's, that's kind of neat. That is kind of neat. And that allows maybe an entrance into the Old Republic as well. Exactly. that's been something that we've all been craving a little bit is an adaptation, whether it's in book form, comic form, or even TV show form, similar to Rebels. And going back and revisiting the Knights of the Old Republic in that era and having Snook being present in the Force Awakens era and transporting a lot of that history back into a comic book or whatever. That would be a lot of fun to see. So much lore there. That'd be cool. Okay, well, I kind of like it. I'm still sitting on Gallus Rex, but part of me still thinks that he's going to be a completely original character. That's where I really think, too. I think he's going to be just somebody completely original. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I guess not everything has to tie into something bigger. Yeah. But there's this part of us, and I know you're thinking this too, is that like that whole continuity and building yes. into something and having this be a surprise. Would you be let down if it was just an original character? Um, I think more so not these days. Um, I've, I've grown towards the idea that he could just be someone original. Um, so I think it's okay if that does happen. But a part of me is really like, come on, let him be Rax or, or, or let him maybe be the, the first Jedi or the last Jedi, right? Oh, so, man. Yeah. Cool. I love it. Yeah. One thing I just wanted to quickly bring up here too when we're talking about Star Wars theories is that I was listening to Talk Stories the other day. Make sure you go check those guys out. Check those guys out, yeah. And they had a listener question uh, by, I think the guy's name was Joseph, and he proposed a theory out there about Ezra being Darth Vader's secret apprentice. And we discussed this a bit before the podcast, and you're talking about Starkiller. I'm not familiar with that end of the extended universe and the Starkiller and all that. Uh, yep. What are your thoughts on Ezra potentially being like a secret apprentice to Vader, and that's how we get him out of the Rebels and into what would be the New Hope timeline and all that? And as he's always kind of in the background right. doing something different. Yeah, that, that that's pretty cool. I mean, you could totally take it. It's from the video game uh, Force Unleashed, and yeah, the character was called Star Killer. Um, basically, Darth Vader went to his planet, wiped out everybody, orphaned this kid, and then raised him in the Force. And yeah, he became his secret apprentice. It's cool, too, because that character is actually modeled off of uh, Sam Witter, who voice acts um, Darth Maul in Rebels. Yeah, so that would be kind of neat, be like a full circle. So, yeah, if Ezra became that, I would be totally down with that. And who knows, maybe he'll be uh, Del Toro there, Um, Benicio Del Toro. Maybe maybe that could be him. Uh, Who knows? I I don't know if they'll go that route, but it's all theories, right? So. I'd be up for that. Yeah, and we do lay a lot of Star Wars Rebels series down on yes. our after show. And even a couple of weeks ago, we went through the trailer. So we're not going to go too much depth there. But I want to throw that out. And I want to acknowledge that from Talk Star Wars that that was a really cool theory. That and it had me like super engaged in the conversation. I was like, holy crap. And then Mark and Rob really expanded on it. And Rob is uh, just has so much knowledge on the Legends universe. And they just kind of blew my brain apart with all this. So go check out that theory over on Talk Star Wars. This is their last episode that just aired this week because it, yeah it, they go into a lot more depth there nice. and it's really cool and i just wanted to get your opinion on that yeah, i knew that's that you cool. had some familiarity with uh star killer in that yeah it's a great game too check out that game part one and two nice yeah and just for a couple more more fan theories here i thought we'd jump over to the marvel cinematic universe and one of these series that's strung right through all of the cinematic universe films is this thanos theory and this has to do with the Infinity Stones. And simply enough, it's just that the Infinity Stones, the, the what's containing them, the, the vessels that hold the individual Infinity Stones, and their corresponding Marvel artifacts. So we have the Tesseract, 
we have the ether, we have the orb, and we have the specter that does contain these. And if you take the first letter from each one of those, it starts to spell out a familiar villain's name in Thanos. And then we had the time gem drop this past summer, and people are likening that to necklace, which gives you the N. So yes. all we're missing right now is an H. Genius. It, it's pretty cool. I, yeah. I don't know if it's coincidence or not. Like right. I, That's a lot of foresight to get into that something really like is. that. Yeah. And uh, go, there's some cool infographs on the internet you can go check out. Just type in Thanos Theory, and it gives you a cool image depicting the, the Tesseract, the Ether, and all that. And they're correlating Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. But what this then does lend to is the idea of where the Soul Stone is. And I've dropped my prediction here on the podcast before, but it doesn't really fit into this Thanos Theory. Because we're missing the H, like I said. And a lot of people are pointing at Hela. Yeah. Thor Ragnarok having this. Right. Um, and the one hole in that, though, is that Hela isn't exactly an artifact that's containing an infinity stone. Mm-hmm. It's more of a person. So do you have any thoughts on who this could be? Do you agree with Hela? Like, yeah. What do you think this final infinity stone is going to be? Yeah, I, I when I first heard this theory, I thought it was cool. I think you actually introduced it to me the first time, and I thought this thing's just genius. But um, I kind of lay with the Hela idea for two reasons. Um, one, I think when you have an actress like Gwyneth Paltrow taking on that character... It's my, no, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> when you have an actress like Kate Blanchett taking on the role of Hela, I think that's cool. And two, I think you could maybe tie in the fact that you could have Hela kind of take on the role of uh, Death. Yeah. Right? So you can kind of combine Death. And when I say Death, I mean the character in the Marvel Universe that is the mistress of, of Thanos. Yes. Right? So if you can combine She's the two of, of Thanos and, and Hela together and she is ultimately his gem um, or, or stone then you can, you can do some cool things. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not into the whole Infinity Verse as much as you. Like, this is this is your fortune. So I, I'm dying to hear. This. Yeah, I'm dying to hear your, your theories because, um, man, I, I got to hear them. I spent a ridiculous amount of time contemplating within the Marvel Cinematic Universe where yes. the Infinity Stones are, are going to be. Like, sometimes <laughs> it's silly because I love the Infinity Gauntlet story. Yeah. I love everything that Thanos does. Yeah. And I'm really into this idea. And I, I love that this is something that's constant across the cinematic universe that connects it all together beyond the crossover of individual characters is this overarching infinity story. Like, I think it's just fantastic. And I always thought that the last infinity stone, and I, I've said this before is in Eagle, the living planet. Like, I, I don't know how that fits into the Thanos theory. If that breaks this in some way, I just think the soul stone is what's powering ego. Yeah. And whether or not ego does turn out to be, in some way, Adam Warlock, or that uh, like, there's something there. Because if you're going to go back to this Thanos theory with the Infinity Stones, you could say that Adam Warlock is the artifact, is the capsule, because he was originally referred to as him. Yes, so I like, love that, that one. That yeah. gives you the H. And we do have, I think it's Aisha is in this as well. And that's a counterpart to Adam Warlock, which is also referred to as her. So, so what are the beans? What is Adam Warlock? Like, I know the character a little bit, but what is his his species he's a humanoid of some sort yeah he, he's kind of this omnipotent being that yeah it controls light and dark like it's it's a really cool character and you have to go back and read some of the jim starling stuff and all 70s that. there yeah to get really into that character and he yeah. does pop up in the guardians 2008 run as well yes um, yeah. and he does pop up even in avx very briefly right and do you think that's him that we see in guardians at the end the cocoons? Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, because if you, that's classic imagery from out of Warlock storylines yeah. is he goes back into the cocoons to reinvigorate himself and essentially heal what has ailed him. And I really think that there's going to be something there with Adam Warlock. And I think that Guardians is the appropriate place to have the final Infinity Stone because this is another one of my Infinity theories that yeah. I'm going to drop here. I really like that one. I, I think Eagle the Living Planet there it has something to do with the, the Soul Stone and whether or not it's Adam Warlock controlling the Soul Stone, which does control Eagle. Something to that effect. But I think Thanos at the end of Guardians is coming after Eagle the Living Planet is going to destroy Eagle the Living Planet and take the Soul Stone. So have they confirmed? Maybe they wouldn't say that. Do we know if we're going to get Infinity Gem in Ragnarok or no. they haven't confirmed? Which and I guess they wouldn't say no. that because that's a big spoiler. So there's a few movies that it could be in. So there's yeah. Black Panther, there's Thor Ragnarok, there's Spider-Man, yeah. and there's um, Guardians. Yeah. Oh yeah, you know, actually... Yeah, Black Panther kind of makes a lot of sense. Yeah, so that's another place where the stones yeah. would be. But that means that all the stones have been on Earth, Earth at some point. True. I think that's too much with the exception of the Power Stone. That's true. I think that's yeah. too much. It makes your universe feel immensely small that that's the Earth true. is just crossroads or whatever. Yeah. Um, and the fact that there are some of them on Earth makes the reasoning why Thanos comes to Earth a bit more plausible. Yeah. 
but I think there has to be something at the end of Guardians that kicks off Infinity War. Right. And I think it has to be him collecting one of the Infinity Stones because we can have a whole movie of him running around and have some weird montage of Thanos, this, this villain that we've been anticipating for years, mm-hmm. just running around grabbing Infinity Stones. Like these have been eluding <laughs> him for movies upon movies. Fine, I'll do it myself at the end of yes. Age of Ultron, right? So we know he's going after them himself. How cool would it be that the end of Guardians is him essentially eliminating Eagle of the Living Planet, taking the Soul Stone from himself? And the reason I've developed this a bit more in my head is because of the announcements from the Infinity War set of mm-hmm. who's arrived. We have Drax, they confirm Mantis, James Gunn's brother, Sean Gunn, arrived on set, who plays the stand-in for Rocket Raccoon. Oh, okay. Um, we did have conf- confirmation. Gamora? Gamora. Yes. So the whole team's there, with the exception of Peter Quill. Right, which I'm sure he has to be. Maybe. Or maybe he doesn't make it out. Yeah, I'm thinking. Here, here's yeah. here's where I'm going to lay this stone down. Cool. Eagle Living Planets destroyed at the end of Guardians of the Galaxy by Thanos to take this, this Soul Stone. Yeah. Something happens with Peter Quill. The team gets away, ends up heading to Earth, saying that Thanos is coming, or he ends up going to the, yeah. the headquarters of, of Nova and saying... Look, Thanos is coming, and that's how Guardians ends. We have the explosion of Ego. He gets one of the Infinity Stones, and then we have the the Nova Corps beginning to fight Thanos. That's how Infinity War starts. That's why the Guardians are on set right now. You do see him picking up at the start of Infinity War the Power Stone from the Nova Corps there and destroying that planet or whatever. Mm -hmm. That's how we're integrating the Guardians, and they're going to fly off to Earth. That's how I think it's going to happen. So we have two Infinity Stones picked up, one at the end of the Guardians of the Galaxy, and the one at the start of infinity war and there's going to be hints of what's going on in the universe in thor ragnarok right yeah because i think i think ragnarok i think those are the two big factors ragnarok and um guardians yeah i think they have to play a huge role coming up here to uh to get us ready for infinity war yeah damn i can't wait i, yeah, I know that was a, a big mouthful of theory there, <laughs> and hopefully that made somewhat sense but i think there's gonna be a lot of connection between guardians of the galaxy thor ragnarok and infinity war i think those are gonna be like you said mm-hmm. the two movies that do kick a lot of this off yeah before we leave here, I got two kind of more crazy ones. Yeah. One that we've mentioned before that I really personally like. It's Stanley is the Watcher. Yes, love that one. Absolutely love it. Yeah, that's, that's that's great. It's been in every cinematic universe. It makes so much yeah. sense, and I know it's probably just paying homage to Stanley in this universe, in the universe that he has created. But I think it's a really cool way to tie together all of the Marvel films. Yeah. So absolutely love that one. I like that one, yeah. And last one here. This is probably one of the craziest ones I've ever heard on the internet. Darth Jar Jar. Yeah, I heard this one and I saw the the video. Did you see the video? Yeah, I've seen the video. It's 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 pretty crazy. Um I thought what was interesting at one point, I think in the video or somebody mentioned that what if they actually did try to lead him up to be the villain, the ultimate villain at the end of episode 3. And then and then they change it they after Superception in episode yeah, 1. Yeah, yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's a crazy. You really have to go out there and watch this video. Yeah, I, yeah. just type in Darth Jar into YouTube. There's a lot of videos on it actually, and people yeah. breaking down the individual scenes within Phantom Menace that, that point out some of the the key aspects yeah. of the theory for Darth Jar Jar. There's yeah. the ones that are more convincing to me are the him using like the the drunken master style, yeah, like fighting. There's the fighting yeah. and him using hand motions and yes. suggesting things, and people are doing it. And yeah. there's one weird scene where he's like mouthing. Like oh, okay. something in the background. I can't yeah. quite remember of it. Yeah, go check out that. That's yeah. it's not one we're gonna go into a lot of detail here because yeah. I'm not completely familiar with it and I'm really not on board with it. I no. don't think I think it's a lot of coincidence. Yes. And it's a lot of goofiness. Yeah. And I just don't think that that would actually work. Like, I don't see George Lucas, the man that crafted the original trilogy, yeah. putting together such a <laughs> wild-ass thing. Like, maybe Snook is Jar Jar. <laughs> well, because there's two cool things they brought up. One is, like, it's the reverse of what they did with Yoda. Yoda, when you were first introduced to the character, you had no idea that he was this Jedi Master. So what if he did the same thing with Jar Jar, but he turns out to be this Sith Master? And two, the other cool thing was, is uh, him and Palpatine both were on Naboo. Right, so yep. they both were in cahoots with each other the whole time. So those oh, are two things I okay. give it down. Like, that's oh, okay, that's that's interesting, right? Um, but that, that's like a lot of coincidence. A lot of coincidence, exactly. Yeah. So that is a crazy one, and yeah. those are a few of our, our favorite fan theories yeah. out there. Again, we're not taking credit for any of them, with the exception of maybe the Eagle Living Planet. I haven't seen anyone else talking about that one. No, I haven't heard that. That's that's original, man. So yeah, it's there's a lot of fan theories out there, and if you guys got some favorite fan theories that you want to discuss here, send us your your comments, your questions. And we'll, we'll talk about them on the show here because that's something that we do a lot on our podcast is speculate and put together fan theories. And we love expressing your individual fan theories as well. If you've got something crazy or something out there or something you think is solidly supported 
within movie, in novel, in comic book references, we would absolutely love to hear it. You can email us at thenerdram at gmail.com. You can hit us up on our YouTube and Facebook pages. Just search The Nerd Room Podcast. And you can also grab us on Twitter at hashtag into the nerd room, as well as our handles are at the end of the episode if you want to get a hold of us individually. Yeah, yeah, let us know. We love talking to Star Wars on Twitter. Gets crazy on that site. So, uh, yeah, hit us up on Twitter, man. Yeah, and make sure to go check out the Star Wars Commonwealth and all the different podcasts that are involved in that. Talk Star Wars, Tumbling Saber, Generation X-Wing, who's celebrating their 100th episode. Yeah. So check them out for sure. Skyper Podcast and the Rogue Squadron Podcast. Everyone's producing unreal content right now. I'm, I spend a lot of time listening to podcasts now, yeah. and these guys are just killing it. Good stuff. I'm super yeah. jealous they're all going, or a lot of them are going oh, to celebration. That's awesome. Year. I was actually just listening to those guys um, over at uh, the Rogue Squadron, actually, yeah. episode 95. They had some pretty cool theories, too. So check those guys out. Check everyone out on the whole crew of uh, the Star Wars Commonwealth podcast. Great stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. And we're going to be back in a couple weeks with our Star Wars Rebels after show yes. when Rebels comes back, talking the follow up episode to Trials of the Dark Saber. So we're getting into the Sabine Mandalorian arc. Yes. And yeah, it's going to be great. Can't wait for that. Jeez. And we're also doing our retrospective series. We mentioned that at the top of the podcast here. So make sure you go check out our Iron Man episode. And in February, we're going to be dropping an incredible Hulk episode. So if you'd like to take this journey with us, make sure you get your questions, comments, your theories out there. We'd love to hear from you and discuss some of your ideas on the individual MCU retrospective series. All right, guys. Until next week, for the Nerd Room, I'm Tim. I'm Troy. And thank you for entering the Nerd Room. This has been a Nerd Room Podcast production. You can find our hosts, Tim and Troy, on Twitter at TheNerdRM and TroyTheBoy87. Don't forget to subscribe to the Nerd Room on iTunes, Facebook, and YouTube. Just search the Nerd Room Podcast. Be sure to head over to StarWarsCommonwealth.com to find other podcasts on the Star Wars Commonwealth Podcast Network including Talk Star Wars, Generation X-Wing, Tumbling Saber, Rogue Squadron Podcast, and the Skyhopper Podcast. Follow the Star Wars Commonwealth on Twitter at SW Commonwealth and take your first steps into a larger world.